Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, how are you? And a good Eagles morning. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Sometimes do you know what works out? And over the last 24 hours, it has for the Birds 365 show because we were able to land two really good guests. Uh, one of which is a local guy, one of which is a national guy, both of which will be jumping aboard with us to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. And the countdown continues. John McMullen, how many days till you get grass time? It's too close, Jody. I'm starting to panic. It's getting a little too real for me. Uh, we are on Thursday. It's a Wednesday. It's grass time. So it's way too close, man. It is way too close. Uh, I know you're looking forward to it to get a fist bump from Coach Sirianni and or any know. other he's player. Be, he's going to be too busy now. I don't think he can do that. Oh, you think that's off, bump. huh? He's not going to be doing the glad hand. You know thing what? With I, think there's gonna, I think there's going to be too many people now. Remember, in the offseason, it was very limited. I think there's going to be too much people. I think he's got to concentrate. I'm not expecting fist bumps, and okay. I'm not going to be one of those people that's, oh, Nick Sirianni didn't fist bump. He didn't fist bump me. Yeah. Uh, see see no, what I can got, write about him tomorrow. He's got, he's got work to do. I have no problem with it. All right. Speaking of that work, uh, one of the guests we're going to have on is uh, Howard Eskin, who yesterday came out with a big report, first one to have it, and uh, no, no one is refuting what Howard is reporting, that Zach Ertz not only is going to be at camp, when camp opens for the Philadelphia Eagles, but he has been in the facilities the last couple of weeks working out with other Eagle players. Uh, apparently the animus that was in place between he and the Eagles, has, they've reached a cord on it or been able to put it behind them, but it seems like all systems go for Zach Ertz to join the Philadelphia Eagles when camp opens and possibly when the season gets underway, which means a lot of 12 personnel for the birds again this year. Since by, by, I'm glad you said that, Jody, because this brings up a lot of complications for Nick Sirianni. So I do want to get into that. We'll get into that throughout the show. But, you know, you, you mentioned Howard's report. The second part is the more important. We know he's going to show up because of the CBA and the $40,000 fines that can't be forgiven. So we've been talking about that. He can't not show up. You got to come up with some plan. Now, Andrew Brand has made some inventive ways. Maybe they have him in the building, not on the practice field. So the more important part of Howard's report was the second part, the fact that he's already been there working out with his teammates. Now, you made that leap, and maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that the animus isn't there anymore. Remember, the coaches, and, and they have nothing to do with it anyway, but also people like Howie Roseman, they can't have any contact. The players can go in. They could use the facility. They can work out. They can't They can't have any football time, so to speak, with the coaches, the GM, the personnel people. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's fractured. It does mean that perhaps Zach Ertz sees the writing on the wall and sees 
Howie Roseman's playing chicken, as we've said, you know, he might still be playing that game of chicken. He might want this out there so other teams say, oh, the Eagles aren't just going to wait and release and we can right. pick up Zach. It, it, there might be ulterior motives to this uh, uh, whole situation with Zach Ertz. And from my standpoint, look, it's been pretty clear the Eagles probably want on. Zach definitely wanted to move on uh, from the Eagles. The Eagles could certainly use the salary cap space they could get from moving Zach Ertz along in the short term. They need a cornerback that we constantly talk about. They still have to sign Landon Dickerson as Jody McDonald prepares to get ready and stretches the hamstrings to, for that victory lap. Um they still have some work to do on the financial front. So this doesn't mean he's going to be here week one. It does mean he's going to be here on Tuesday. And that complicates matters, as I mentioned, for Nick Sirianni on a number of fronts. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Look, yes, the first day or two, people will be asking about Zach and the plants and that. And then it'll slow down. You'll get into the business of camp. But remember, this guy wants to play 11 personnel. He wants to play – he wants to put more speed on the field, which, by the way, Doug Peterson wanted to do as well. But he couldn't because his two tight ends were better than his receivers. Well, guess what, Jody? If he's there, his two tight ends are better than the receivers outside right. of Devontae Smith. And this guy has been over backwards, as we've talked about constantly, to talk about competition. So how do you not put Zach Ertz on the field? And he doesn't want to do that. So you're putting a rookie head coach who wants to do something else in a more difficult position. I think the Eagles have done that too much. I don't want to overstate it. It's not that big of a deal because you should put the best players on the field. But that's not how he wants to play. Well, that's not what he wants to do. Oh, well, t t time out, Philadelphia. Which, which press gathering, which – um, media session where you in that I missed where he said, I don't want to play uh, 12 position, uh, 12. Uh, well, this I, is where I, you either believe the reporter or you don't believe the reporter. I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the guys who reported. They told Zach that if he is here and he does come back, he's, he's, he's no longer the, the number one tight end. He was already told Dallas Goddard is going to be the guy. He was also told um, we're not going to play as much 12. So you're talking about, and, and I don't believe the numbers. Some other people have said 35% of the snaps. I don't believe Nick Sirianni would be that stringent and say, you're going to play 35% of the snaps. However, I do believe he. it was made clear to him that he's not going to be the number one tight end. He's not going to play as much as, as he's used to. And that's because they want – and by the way, they're right, Jody. They're, they're completely right. They want more speed on the field. That's how you're successful in the NFL. They don't want to play all that 12 personnel. And as I pointed out, Doug Peterson didn't want to play all that 12 personnel either. He felt he had to because his receivers stink. Well – other than Devontae Smith, who I think is going to be a really good player, and I acknowledge he's unproven and maybe I'm skipping steps, but I know you're on my side there. Oh, yeah. uh, other than Devontae Smith, guess what? Everybody else might still stink. Now, hopefully they don't. Hopefully they develop. 
but there's nothing there that's proven. And there's nothing there that says, oh, this this might be really good and certainly not better than Zach Ertz, who is a proven – you can make an argument if he has a few more big years, borderline Hall of Fame tight end. I, I Guess what? Quez Watkins ain't going to be that. John Hightower ain't going to be that. Greg Ward, with all due respect, ain't going to be that. Travis Fulgham ain't going to be that. So if you're Nick Sirianni – and forget about blowhards like me, Jody, because it doesn't matter. People like me don't matter. But you talk about competition, competition, competition in that locker room, and those guys know Zach Ertz is better, but he's not playing. I think that creates issues. Right. But here's here's where I'll take the coach dead at his word, not way on what a reporter like yourself or anybody else says. I'll take the word of the coach when he looked into the camera and said it. And even as this, I'll call him a liar. At this, I'll call him a liar. I don't believe every position is open for competition. Fletcher Cox is not competing for snap reps, okay? He's going to play when he's going to play. But I do believe there's a competition for receiver snaps that Zach Ertz, if he goes out and performs and plays better and makes plays, is going to play. They're not going to just continue to put... Quez Watkins or John Hightower out there because they want to get faster. No, they want to move the football down the field. They want to get first downs. They want to get touchdowns. And I believe this is where when the coach says it's about competition, he's telling the truth and he will act accordingly. He will put the guys on the field and give them the best chance to move the ball down the field. Speed or position be damned. Just give me a guy who can make plays down the field. And if that's Zach Ertz, rather than Quez Watkins or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside or John Hightower or Jalen Rager or anybody, he's going to put two tight ends out there. And, oh, by the way, if Zach Ertz comes in and Zach Ertz is killing it and Dallas Goddard is having issues and or is injured, Zach Ertz could go back to being the number one tight end on this team like that. As long as he's here, they attempt to trade him, Nothing works out. They're going to play the best football player. And I don't think Dallas Goddard has done enough in his career that they say, well, Zach, sorry. We've decided, even though you're making more plays, you had eight catches last week and Dallas had two. Yes, this week we're still going to have Dallas on the field for uh, 75% of the snaps. We're only going to have you on the field for 35% of the snaps. I don't think that the coach is going to do that. I think he's going to play the guy who's making plays for him. <sighs> I will say this, Jody. I think you're being uh, very 2021-centric here, and I don't think it's about 2021 I for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that comes straight from the owner on the record when he says transition year. From their philosophy, and again, you can say, okay, I don't believe McMullen – when you have six or seven different reporters reporting the same thing, and I'm telling you, I'm looking you straight in the eye. I didn't talk to anybody else, and they all have the same information as me. Well, that tells me that's pretty solid information. And he was told uh, he was not going to be the number one tight end. And by the way, that's one of the reasons he didn't want to be back, uh, to be, well, to be, let, let, to let be me, blunt. Let me, just, let me just interrupt for a second. I believe you and everybody else who's reported that says – Today, as we say, before camp ever opens up, 
Dallas Goddard is the number one tight end. Oh, I believe that. I'm saying if the season starts, well, injuries and gets all underway. That. I won't even go injuries. I'll, I'll I'll say both of them are healthy. If Zach Ertz is making more plays and and doing more things on the field when given a chance with less snaps to start, they will not be adverse to flipping the roles of the one and the two tight end. That Zach Ertz could absolutely reclaim his spot as the number one tight end. I'll believe you when you report that the plan is for Goddard to be number one. I understand why the plan would be for Goddard to be number one, younger, uh, a guy they want to sign to a contract. I, I understand all that football philosophy. But once they're both in camp, once the season starts, I believe that Nick Sirianni will lean toward the guy who's playing better let what was said during the offseason to members of the media, esteemed members of the media like John McMullen be damned. Let what happens on the field dictate who plays, how many plays. Well, I, I will say this. To me, it doesn't even matter, Ertz versus Goddard, because they're both going to play, because they're both better than all the secondary receivers if, if it's really about competition. So we'll see. We'll have that answer if Zach Ertz is here. I truly believe that because there's no way in the world that third receiver, whoever you want to throw out there at me, whether it's Fulgham or Ward or Watkins, there's no way they're going to be better than Zach Ertz even coming off of a bad year, even the fact that he's over 30. There's just no way. They're not in the same league. So we're going to see. We're going to see. And by the way, Howie Roseman factors into this as well because guess what? He's got a lot of power. He might tell Nick Sirianni what he has to do and who he has to play because he's going to tell him what the game day roster is. I can tell you that. He might he might decree it. And that decree, by the way, might come from Jeffrey Lurie. However, we're talking about a transition year. So this is similar to Aaron Rodgers at a much lower level in Green Bay. You know, the assumption coming out of Green Bay by a lot of people now is let's get through this season, then we'll trade you in sort of a lame duck situation. We'll see if that works out. Zach Ertz isn't going to be here next year. You're not, they're not going to work out an extension and pay two tight ends like the Patriots no. when they don't want to play 12 personnel. He's not going to be here next year. But but as my scenario, he plays out this year. As my contract. As my esteemed colleague, John McMullen, tells me often, the Eagles like to try and serve two masters. They do. Yes, Jeff Laurie did come out and say this is a transition year on the day that they gave Doug, Pe uh, Doug Peterson his walking papers. Although he didn't really deserve to be fired, he was fired. Uh, on that day, that's when Jeff Laurie called it a transition year. Yet they signed Ryan Kerrigan this offseason. And they've got Josh Sweat, who's in a contract year and to become a free agent the end of the year. You'd think they'd want to get him as many snaps as possible so they can evaluate how much they want to extend him. Despite the fact that they have Derek Barnett, who is in a contract year, who this year is the fourth highest paid player on the Eagles. Fifth year option on a rookie year, a rookie contract goes through the roof. He is the fourth highest paid player. I'd argue he's not close to being the fourth best player on the Philadelphia Eagles, but he's the fourth highest paid player on the Philadelphia. So you would think that they would want to get as many snaps into him to evaluate whether they want to keep him going forward. Yet they signed Ryan Kerrigan. Why? Because they want to win football games this year. 
because they don't want to be 4-11-1 again. And that's what I'm telling you will factor in on the Zach Ertz signing that even if the future says it's better to have Dallas Goddard out there 98% of the snaps, even though it's better to see what Quez Watkins and uh, the like are at wide receiver. If Zach Ertz is helping them win football games and making plays for him the first couple of weeks of the season, he will play that much more going forward. Well, you know, I brought up Kerrigan, as you mentioned, Jody, but that's really cost effective. I would say if you look forward, and this will be if Zach is here, as I said, this will be his last year in Philadelphia because they're not going to pay two tight ends. It's as simple as that. They're not going to pay top of the line money. And you could say, well, maybe if he doesn't have a big year, you can have a Kerrigan-like deal. And uh, guess what? If he gets a Kerrigan-like deal, you don't want him anyway, most likely, because that means he's had a bad season, a really bad season. So I think the contract's kind of washed that argument away, Jody. But, but look, I, I just think it complicates things even further for a rookie head coach. That's that's my only issue. Zach is better than the any third receiver you can potentially have on this team, and he wants more speed on the field. Is that the right move? You can argue that, but that's what he wants to do. And as I said, that's what Doug Peterson wanted to do as well. He couldn't because his two tight ends were better than his awful receivers. Bottom line. Well, we've given you our opinions on Mr. Ertz and the fact that it seems like he's staying at least for a period of time. Coming up next, the guy who's going to join us is the guy who advanced the conversation on Zach Ertz. Broke the story yesterday. Zach has been in the facilities working out with the birds, so it looks like he's coming back. At least for the opening of camp, we'll find out how long. We'll get the opinion of the Eagles sideline report on their radio network and host on WIP. Howard Eskin going to join us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. On a countdown camp edition of Birds 365, we appreciate you tuning in, and we appreciate our next guest joining us. He is the sideline reporter for the Eagles on their radio network, and you catch him every Saturday morning on WIP, and he's on WIP shows basically all day long. Every time you turn around, Howard's a guest on somebody's show. He's a guest with us now here on Birds 365. Howard Eskin jumps aboard with us. How are you, Howard? Uh, I've never had a bad day in my life. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> I also knew that one was coming. All right. Uh, first question is, this has got to be mine because I, I really need the answer to this. Yesterday we had uh, Jeffrey Knox of uh, Eagles Insider in, on with us. And he referred to both John and myself as sir. And I felt very <laughs> uncomfortable with that. I kept turning around to see if he was talking to someone else. So I, I, I just would like to know, would you like me to call you sir? Howard, uh, Mr. Eskin, the King, or Spike Eskin's dad. I'll call you whatever you want. Uh, just uh, l- let me know ahead of time so I can get it right. Well, forget about the Spike Eskin's dad because I didn't name him Spike. He named himself Spike. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, all okay. Right. Uh, Mr. Eskin is too formal. Uh, the yes. King is okay, but Howard is just fine. How's that? Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank all right. you. And and, yeah, and Spike is no longer, you know, Spike Howard is no longer Jody's boss. So, oh he yes, he is. Be, oh he is a, yes, he is. He's still my boss. Oh, that's right. Fan. I I take that back. So he's got to be. Yeah. Radio so uh, obviously, but let's go with King. The King is in the house. So Howard, uh, obviously, everyone looked at your report with Zach Gertz and. We know this whole narrative throughout the offseason has been that Zach is not going to be here. I think it was self-evident. Zach basically said goodbye at the end of last season and is very emotional about it. But Howie has been pretty steadfast that he wants value in return for Zach Ertz if he was going to move him. Hasn't been able to get that. You, I think the most important part of your report was that Zach is at the facility. He's been working out with his teammates. Um where do you think Zach is mentally? And do you think he wants to play out his contract in Philadelphia? Uh, I think mentally, the reason he came back is because mentally he's now okay. He, the past is the past. He's kind of accepted the fact uh, that there really aren't teams out there that want to trade for him and give up what the Eagles want. 
first of all, it's difficult to trade whether you're even getting a sixth or seventh round pick because you've got to take on his contract. The cap went down this year. Uh, there's not a lot of teams right now that need a tight end. And some teams, obviously, you know, Buffalo was in the mix. I don't think Buffalo was really, or the reports were they were in the mix. I don't think they really were. Indianapolis, you would think, but they have a tight end as well. And they're not giving up uh, a draft pick and taking on an eight-plus-million-dollar contract. So that's the reality of the situation. I think the most important thing uh, when I was told that Zach was back in the facility is that he's back. He's accepted it. Uh, he's talked to veteran players. Those guys that were sitting out with him, uh, you know, some of them are still here. At the After the last game, we remember, they were sitting yeah. out on the field quite a while. Uh, one of those people was Jason Kelsey, and I'm sure he's spoken quite often to Jason Kelsey. And they obviously they welcome him back, and Zach's accepted that. Uh, you know, I said in the, in the report that there's a great chance that he would be here opening day. I think there's a good chance. I mean, you know, it's I'm mincing words here. But if there's nobody out there that has an injury for a tight end or with a tight end, I don't think Zach gets traded. And with that, I think he's here to start the season. But the most important thing, I think, out of everything, back in the facility, he's been working out with the team. He will be there when they report on Tuesday. And uh, he's accepted uh, what's happened in the past. He's let the past move by. And obviously, he feels comfortable around players uh, that he's been with before. And Personally, I think he's a great influence for younger players in the locker room. Now, is he going to be the starting tight end? No, not unless Dallas Goddard gets hurt. Uh, Dallas Goddard's your starting tight end. Will Nick Sariani use two tight ends in his offense uh, like Doug Peterson did a lot la last year and the years before? Uh, I hear he may not. So I don't know how much Zach is going to play. Here's another thing to consider. Zach, I think, is 20 catches away from being the all-time yeah. Eagles receiver. And that makes yeah. – I know that makes him feel good when he surpasses that because he's surplanted – first of all, he's in Eagles history anyway, scoring the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But the reality is uh, he will be in their history, and I don't know that anybody is going to pass that anymore with the way players move around and players get hurt. So that's something that I think uh, – he thought about and said, you know what, it'd be good, you know, let all the bygones be bygones. He didn't get a contract they offered him. He's not going to get it now, and he's accepted playing here. And I think, John, you said it. It's probably – not probably. It's going to be his last year in something – unless something crazy happens. There's a couple things at play here, Howard. Uh, certainly playing time, you mentioned he's going to be the number two tight end. We don't agree, disagree with that. Uh, the fact that you say Nick Sirianni not looking to go to 12 personnel and two tight ends. Uh, I believe that that's his goal. But if uh, Zach Ertz comes into camp and has the kind of form that he had previously, he may force his way onto the field. A lot of this comes down to timing. Uh, the Eagles would, I think, still, still believe, uh, be open to trading Zach Ertz, but want to get something exchanged. It's got to be a team that's willing to take on his salary that's on the contract right now. If this doesn't happen because of injury, if a spot doesn't open up with another team, 
would the Eagles think about still cutting Zach Ertz between now and the start of the season? If they do, what do you think they would earmark the money that they would save by cutting Zach Ertz for? Well, let me take the back part of your question first. Uh, I don't think there's anybody to really earmark the money for right now. I mean, they need another corner probably, but if they wanted that, uh, there's a couple of guys out there. If they wanted them, I think they would have already signed them. The asking price is probably too much. And those players are probably waiting for teams to have an injury as well to get more money. So I, I don't think they need the money now. They could during the season if things happen uh, and they need to go out and trade for a player and then fit him under their cap. Uh, but I don't think right now, because they don't need the money, that they would think, you know, you'd like to have that money saved for your cap. <clears throat> but I think you'd go down the road. If he's going to be with them in camp, you're not going to cut him to start the season. Uh, I just don't think you're going to do that. And I think he would be here and be an eagle. Hey, let's, be, let's face reality. Number one, uh, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Number two, it's going to be very difficult for them to make the playoffs. Uh, Howie wants to get the fans back on his side. Uh, and this is a good, you know, and Zach can probably still play. Not probably. He still can play a little bit. He's not the starter. So with all those things considered, if you had to make a run at the Super Bowl, I would say, you know, do you want to keep that money or save it for somebody else? but they're not making a run at the Super Bowl. I mean, everybody that watches and covers the Eagles, it's exciting to have them uh, make a run at the playoffs. But, you know, this team's just maybe team that's better than them. I think the Cowboys will always choke. Uh, I think the Redskins are really good, good coach. They have a quarterback that's better than the garbage they had last year. Uh, and they have a great defense. So I don't know that the Eagles are going to be in a position – uh, to, to make a run, even in a bad, uh, even in a bad division. So now all things said, if there's nobody out there that suffers an injury and nobody feels like they need a tight end, uh, I just don't see any, uh, there's not going to, they're not going to trade him. And I don't see any reason that they would cut him. That just, okay. that's an opinion. The fact that he's here, I think is a positive, And I think people are excited about that. I, I mean, he's Zach's a great guy. And he really, the one thing that I'll never forget, and John, you probably saw this too, and I've been covering the Eagles for a long time, and I've never seen the chemistry, never, that the Eagles had in that locker room in that Super Bowl year. I've never seen it before, and I don't know that I'll ever see it again. And that's important for a football team. Now, is he going to turn this team around by chemistry? No, but he does. He will help. He will be a mentor like people were mentors toward, to him. And I think that will be a positive uh, for this football team because they do have a lot of young players that just have to understand what it's all about. It's, it's not that it's, it's a tough game. It's not that easy. So I think that's, that that's a positive too. Yeah, I don't think anybody questions Howard. Zach is going to be great in the locker room for these young players. I, I don't even think anybody blinks about that. I think – that's why Howie thinks he can go down this road because he knows Zach is going to be a professional. He even used the term, sometimes you got to be the bad cop. But I, I do want to, Rebert, you mentioned the salary cap. And you're right, Eagles have a little under $5 million, I think, right now. They don't need it right now. 
But, you know, as you mentioned, you've been covering this team for a long time. You can go back to the Joe Banner era. The, the history of the Eagles is they identify young players they want to extend early, and they get team-friendly deals done. One of those guys they want to get done is Dallas Goddard. If you do want to get an extension done with Dallas Goddard, because if he plays this year, Howard, and he's the player we think he's going to be, he could be the highest paid tight end in football. That's how this works. So the Eagles don't have that financial flexibility to get a team-friendly extension done with Dallas Goddard unless they do something with Zach Ertz. That's a little bit of a conundrum. You know what? The, the what I've seen the Eagles, and it's uh, magic. I don't know how they do it sometimes, but they play around with the numbers, and they always seem to find a way, even when it's tight, uh, and maybe you push the money into next year. But when it opens up, you don't have Carson Wentz money there. You don't have a lot of things there that you have this year, which have caused a cap issue, an issue meaning they don't have a lot of money. And next year, besides that, the cap goes up. So there's always a way to kind of sign him, but then push it. Uh, you know, I'm not in there and I don't play around with their numbers and I, I don't know how they do it sometimes, but I think they can find a way if they want to sign Dallas Goddard to a, a cap friendly contract and they can do it. They'll find a way. Dallas Goddard's not going anywhere. So instead of getting X amount of dollars in a signing bonus now, you just push it to next year and you find a way to put it down the line. I don't know how they do it, but I think they can find a way if that happens. Uh, I don't know what his numbers are going to be. I don't know that he'll surpass Kittle. He'll surpass Kelsey, even though the cap and the cap does go up next year, but they don't know what it is yet. Uh, I'm not worried that much about that. Uh, and Zach uh, urges eight million dollars, eight million. I don't. It's a little over eight million, I guess. I don't think that's going to be uh, as big an issue as we may think it will be in terms of signing Dallas Goddard. I I think that'll all play itself out, and it'll be fine. Uh, that's just again, that's just my feeling. They find a way when they want a player, and if a player wants to sign, he finds a way to do it as well. All right, Howard, I want to tap into your sources again. And they were very good to you yesterday with the Ertz's on-the-premises uh, information. Um, last week, Charles Robinson, NFL Network, came out and said, some uh, Eagle player telling me they're not sure about Nick Sirianni. It spurred uh, Lane Johnson to step up and go, yeah, how about you name names if you're going to go down there and throw the coach under the bus? I think the coach has done a great job with it. So, Hey, this is not the first team that this has ever happened to varying sides of reports as to how the coach is doing and what the players actually think about him. You got damn good sources inside that room. What is the finger on the pulse of motion right now for Rick, Nick Sirianni in the very early stage of his coaching career here in Philly? Well, I can't say it's a hundred percent, but the players have really, uh, really embraced Nick Sariani, his enthusiasm, and I love Doug Peterson, and I think he did a great job. I mean, you know, he got him, he won him a Super Bowl. You, you can say what you want, uh, but they love his enthusiasm. Change for in sports is important in the pursuit of success, and it just creates a new energy. When Jalen Hurts came in, 
the Jalen Hurts have a good four games, maybe one and a half games were good, but it created an energy and everybody had excitement about that because it was something new and something fresh. You know, is there somebody in there that's, that's not quite on board with Nick Sirianni or questions that, yeah. I mean, does everybody love Tom Brady? Probably not. Regardless of where he's been. Uh, does everybody love Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. We're talking about two great quarterbacks. So I don't even worry about that. I believe Michael Robinson uh, was accurate. When, as a reporter, you know you can't name sources, otherwise you'll never get the information. But you better be accurate because eventually that'll wear you'll wear out your welcome with other people if if you know they're not right. Is there somebody in there? Yeah, I mean, who does Michael Robinson know? I think there's only one player from Penn State. (laughs) Yeah, you can't, you know, players talk to each other. I don't want to throw Miles under the bus, but you're right, Howard. No, and I'm not going to, no, I don't want to do it either. And that's not, it's not fair. But who is he talking to? Who does he really know? And Miles would say, hey, there's a couple of guys in here that don't, and maybe not Miles, there's a couple of guys in here that that are not quite on board. Hey, they're Penn State guys. They talk to each other. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And I don't really care what Michael Robinson said, unless it's the whole team. But I think there's an energy in there. Uh, knowing what people have said about Nick Sariani, his energy is great. Uh, games are different, but his energy is great. Uh, he's got enthusiasm. Uh, he obviously knows offense. His decisions during the game. Um, and I made a comment to Nick Sariani. I said, you're going to win a game this year. And there's going to be some questionable play calls or a questionable decision. And you're going to get in their own way, reporters to in their questions <laughs> to criticize what you did. So you said, yeah. said, that's what I signed up for. I said, okay, then that's fine. Uh, but so he's, he's ready for that. And he knows if he doesn't win in a couple of years, he, he may not be here after a couple of years. That's just the way it is in the NFL anymore. Uh, you move on a lot of times from coaches. They don't even care what they pay these guys anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I believe most of the players, is it 100%? No. Is it 97%, 95%? Yes, I believe that. And I think we can get carried away with, with something. But Lane Johnson, uh, you know, he wants to defend his head coach, and that's fine. Uh, Lane's, the one thing I, I hope for Lane is he stays healthy along with Brooks and along with Kelsey. And if that happens, they could have a good team uh, if that offensive line stays healthy. So with all that said, uh, yeah, I'm fine with Nick Sariani. And we'll see. You judge him during the games more than anything else and how the players respond. And right now, most of them. Most of them them are. To me, Howard, it's even, you know, it's even simpler than that. You can line up the next 90 people you see. They're not going to agree on everything. The next 90 people I meet, I guarantee one of them's not going to like me. There's going to be a lot more. That's just life. To me, it's common sense. But I do want to, you brought up the point Nick's going to get tough questions, and there's no question even after wins from reporters. Well, guess what? You might get questions from Jeffrey Lurie. You had that McLean report about the Eagles upset in Green Bay, and Jeffrey wasn't happy because they didn't throw the ball enough. So to me, that's more important. Is Nick Sirianni going to upset the Kansas City Chiefs 
And is Shepard Laurie going to say, oh, you didn't win the right way? <laughs> and, and the bigger question is, is Shepard Laurie going to micromanage Nick Sirianni? Um, you know, he'll probably have his opinions. Uh, I think the coach still has to make his decisions. And that's why I think Doug Peterson left. He wasn't, uh, he got tired of not being able to make all his decisions. You know, he got, he, he fired himself and he was okay mm-hmm. with that. And he'll coach where probably as an assistant before he's a head coach again, uh, next year. And I talked to Doug a few weeks ago at Ron Jaworski's golf tournament, you know, sit out this year, he's still getting paid. Uh, and, and then we'll see what happens, but I don't think Nick Sirianni will let Jeffrey completely completely is probably the wrong word. That's probably stating it wrong. I think right now he'll let Nick Sirianni coach his team. He's not going to coach. I think we, we kind of overstate his involvement. He has opinions. He's the owner. The owner of any company has opinions. Football is more public, obviously. But uh, I think Nick Sirianni is going to do his first year what he's going to do. And he's probably gotten some advice from Frank Reich, who's been here through uh, through some of that, uh, so yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine with that. I, I, I'm just. First of all, I don't think you're going to upset Kansas City. I'm just going to. No, I know. I I, gonna, they're not going to upset Kansas. I think I was just throwing Kansas. it out there in the fact that well, you got to be happy. Upset, I think yeah. you're going to upset. I think you're going to upset Tampa Thursday night. Well, short week on the road after two emotional games for uh, for Tampa. I've looked at that schedule. So so I'm just throwing that out there. They're going to upset Tampa. <laughs> yeah. My larger then, point is if you, if you win a game like that, by hook or by crook, no matter how you win it, you should be happy. My larger point would be, is Jeffrey going to be happy, or does Nick Sariani have to win a certain way which at the end of the day is a difficult to be, position to be in as a head coach. And I think that wore on Doug Peterson at the time. Doug was thrilled to upset Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And then after the game, he's getting questions on how you win the game. It's just, it's strange. I will say that. Yeah. Well, sports is a funny, it's a funny thing, especially with, uh, uh, with owners, with general managers, uh, uh, was sometimes your own people. Uh, you know, if he didn't throw the ball enough, uh, was the quarterback happy with that? You know, it, it, there's, but you got to let, and when they say, hey, we don't always believe, let the past be the past. That was last week when Belichick abuses uh, uh, that, that ability to say, well, I'm not, ta- you know, we're talking about this team, not about that team. So sometimes you have to do that. And, uh, I, you know, in his first year, it's a love story. So in his first year, it'll be fine. Even if Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Lurie says, you know what, uh, why didn't you do this? Knowing why he asked the question. Uh, hey, that's what a head coach has got to deal with. He's still going to get his money. <laughs> and he's going to try to win games. That's uh, true. And you know what? When they get to Sean Watson, then I'll have a better chance to win games after that. <laughs> yeah, All that's right. where we go. Uh, before, we, before we get to Deshaun yeah. Watson and look forward at the quarterback position, I want to just take one quick step back with Carson Wentz. Howard, you've been doing this a long time. You know that nothing happens in a vacuum, that what Carson Wentz does, in, in, does or doesn't do in Indianapolis doesn't mean he would have done the exact same thing here in Philadelphia. 
But you talk to enough legal fans. I talk to enough legal fans. There are a whole bunch of people who are going to draw that conclusion. If Carson Wentz goes to Indian, he's great. Oh, shoot, he could have been great here. If Carson Wentz goes to Indian, stinks. Oh, we made a great move by getting rid of Carson Wentz. And neither one of those things is 100% for sure. However, we will watch Carson Wentz and we will draw some conclusions. How do you think he's going to do out there under Frank Reich? I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, he's got better people around him. He's got a better offensive line from what the Eagles offensive line was last year. Uh, he's got to do some things better himself. There's no question uh, that he's got to be better. Uh, but again, change for him. I didn't like the way, I, I mean, I think people went overboard in the criticisms of Carson Wentz and players didn't like him and, and you know, all these things that came out. I think that was overstated. No, not everybody likes everybody. Uh, but And he didn't handle the adversity well, and uh, that was disappointing. But he's got a better team around him. With the Starting with the offensive line. And uh, I think he's going to have a good year. Now, I, I agree. That doesn't mean he would have had that year here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it all goes back to the drafting of Jalen Hurts, which I think it really screwed him up. But again, <clears throat> you have to overcome. That's what sports is, especially in football. There's always there's always somebody trying to take your job, uh, and the Eagles kind of forced that a little bit more than they they probably should have uh, with the selection of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback down the line. You know, everybody's going to be happy about it. If he's not, you're going to look back and say, you know, if they didn't draft Jalen Hurts, could Carson Wentz still have been the guy uh, and been good uh, at that position? So, but I think he's going to do. I think he's going to do well in, in Indianapolis. They have a really tough schedule in a really tough division. Uh, but I still think he's going to have um, – obviously, it's going to be a better year, and I think he's going to have a good year. And as long as he plays 70, what's it, 70% of the snaps, the Eagles get another yeah. first-round So, So anybody that's rooting against Carson Wentz is stupid. Uh, only <laughs> it, it only helps these Eagles if he plays better because he's in there for uh, yeah. at least 70% for the season. So, yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be fine. All right, Howard, you opened the door with Deshaun Watson. So I want to, I want to tackle this from two angles. One with Jalen Hurts, because I've said this pretty consistently. You mentioned the three first round picks, how he has built up uh, uh, quite the insurance policy, so to speak. They're going to have cap room. They can do whatever they want after this season presumably Deshaun Watson is going to play again. Um, the question is when, uh, if there is going to be a suspension, how long? There's too much uncertainty right now. But it won't die. And we know Howie Roseman. And we know he, he calls on everybody and he does his due diligence. And we know Jeffrey Lurie has proven in the past an owner willing to give people second chances. So, number one, can Jalen Hurts do anything in 2021 to be the long-term answer for the Philadelphia Eagles? Or is this truly a transition and the Eagles are going to move toward a Deshaun Watson or a rookie top 10 pick in next year's draft at the quarterback position? Well, well number one, to, to deal with Jalen Hurts, I'm not sure, and I don't think they're sure. Obviously, uh, they got the picks. Uh, they have the ability to use those picks to either trade up or trade. 
they're in a good position uh, if Houston decides to uh, trade uh, Deshaun Watson. There's other teams, obviously, that want him. Are they in as good a position as the Eagles? I don't think so. But Jalen Hurts, first and before everything else, has got to prove he's not just a running quarterback. I know the offenses have changed. But I think mobile quarterbacks are mobile to buy time to throw the football. I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, are always a running quarterback. No, he's really not. He only runs, I think his average mm-hmm. last year was three and a half times a game. He only ran the ball an average of three and a half times a game. No, he buys himself time to, to, to get to an open receiver. So I think that's what Jalen Hurts has got to do. He's got to, uh, after his primary receiver, he's got to be able to, to, to make his progressions and read down the line and not just run if the, if the first option is not there. So he's got to be better. I mean, Chris Sims, I had Chris Sims on, on my radio show and I put, the, uh, put it on a podcast. Uh, he was, I mean, he didn't put him in his top 40 projected for 2021 yeah. quarterbacks. And he said he's seen throws that a senior high school quarterback makes that Jalen Hurts didn't make last year. That's damning. I, you can say what you want about Chris Sims. He wasn't a good quarterback in the NFL, but I think he's sharp. I think he does his homework. He watches a lot of tape, and he sees things. And he mentioned he throws a lot with his arm and not his body, and that creates inaccurate throws. I know people say, oh, his, his completion percentage wasn't good because he throws the ball away. Well, every quarterback throws the ball away when there's nothing there. So it's not uncommon for that to happen. But he's obviously watched enough tape to see why his throws uh, in a lot of cases were inaccurate. And he felt that he really should have thrown. There would have been more interceptions if defenders had just caught the football. Jalen Hurts has got to get better. And if he gets better, uh, then things will be better for the Eagles. Now, it depends when all this Deshaun Watson stuff goes down. I would think there's no way he's not getting suspended. So will a team make the trade before they announce that or after they announce that? And will teams take a chance on that? Whoever gets him, uh, he's not playing the whole season. Whether it's civil suits, it doesn't matter. The NFL, if you've committed the, committed the crime, it's not a crime. Well, it is a crime. If you've committed what they say you've done, regardless of whether you're guilty in a court of law, regardless of whether you make a settlement or don't make a settlement, you're going to get suspended. And I think everybody recognizes that. But before everything else, Jalen Hurts has got to be better. Uh, Hey, Howard, a real quick, real quick follow-up because of what you just said. To me, the biggest thing is this is a Jeffrey Lurie decision. He's got to make that decision. Will he bring Deshaun Johnson, Deshaun Watson into this organization when everything is cleared up to a certain degree? Because there are still going to be a lot of people upset because those are serious allegations. Where are you on, on that part of it? Do you think Jeffrey Lurie would default to giving this guy a second chance, as he's done in the past pretty consistently? I, um, my answer is yes. I think he will give him a second chance. Uh, because in the NFL, Andy Reid was so proper in doing things, he brought Michael Vick in to give him a second chance. And Michael Vick really cleaned up his act. 
Michael Vick is a good person now. What he did is just horrific, what he did. And we will never completely get over that. But he's turned into a pretty good guy. Uh, but Andy Reid now has guys on his team. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It almost yeah. doesn't matter. If a guy can play, a guy can play. Do I agree with that? Uh, no, not necessarily. Do people agree with that? But uh, I saw Michael Vick turn it around. Uh, I don't know if all the people on the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's their problem. I mean, the wide receiver, you got to be kidding me. I mean, we yeah. know he did what he was accused of, but he can play. If it's a guy that's, you know, the, the 44th man on a roster, he's not there. But when a guy can play, he's there. And that's, unfortunately, uh, what professional sports has turned into, not just the NFL. Uh, and you suffer a suspension and you lose some money. So uh, the interesting part is, will Deshaun Watson report to camp next week? Uh, if he wants, if he doesn't want to lose fifty thousand dollars a day, he'll report to camp. He's already going to lose money. I think he'll be there with the understanding, you know, I'm going to be here, but you know, you guys got to try to move me and then go from there. Uh, I think I don't like the, when players tell tell teams. Aaron Rodgers just just shut up. Aaron, you want to give back thirty million bonus? Yeah, yeah give back thirty million and get traded. Go ahead. Let's see a pony up that money. And I like yeah, I think, Rodgers. I, I think he's a great quarterback and a great guy, too. But this is just nonsense. I think the commissioner will be heard from next yeah. week when uh, Texans camp comes open and they have to make a decision whether Deshaun's going to show or not. Uh, speaking of uh, Deshaun, um, it was 12 years ago, Howard, when Deshaun Watson set the Eagles rookie uh, receiving record at 912 yards. So the over-under is 912 and a half. Is Devonta Smith going to own that record by the time the Eagles season, with one extra game, remember, uh, included 17 this year, 912 yards? Will he reset the Eagles' rookie wide receiver record? Well, that's a really tough question, and I'm going to say no. And the only reason I'm not I'm going to say no is because there's been so much attention given to Devonta Smith. And I mean, I would think they're both just as fast as each other, uh, Jackson and Smith. But there's going to be so much attention. I wouldn't be surprised if teams double him and say, oh, like, go throw to Rager, throw, throw to Ward, throw to Dallas Goddard. We're not going to let you beat us with Devontae Smith. And I think because of that, I think the Eagles will spread it around a little bit more than they did when Deshaun Jackson was here. And that's the only reason, even with the 17th game. Uh, so I think for a few years, he's going to stay healthy. Boy, he's little. My God, yeah, he's he, yeah, yeah, he and, is. Those, and, those, those legs, legs, man. Toothpicks. They're like yeah. toothpicks. <laughs> Tooth uh, and he won a Heisman uh, Trophy on those yeah. toothpicks. So yeah. hopefully those yeah, tooth toothpicks you. play as well here in Philadelphia as they did down in Alabama. Howard, you uh, hung with us for an entire half an hour plus. We can't thank you enough. Great job breaking the story yesterday. Thanks for coming on Birds 365. All right, anytime. You guys have a great day, and I will continue my streak of never having a bad day. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll see you Wednesday, King. Get ready for some grass time. He yeah. is the King. Howard Eskin here with his son. 
<laughs> it was on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald coming back. We got plenty more to do. Trey Wingo, um, you remember him from ESPN. Now he's working for the Pro Football Network, has his own YouTube channel. Trey Wingo's going to join us in hour number two. We'll come back, talk more birds here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Thursday get-together here on Birds 365 with the Mackinac guys, McFarlane and McDonald. We thank the king, Howard Eskin, for hopping aboard with us and hanging as long as he did. And uh, JM, I got to admit, and I talk to Howard all the time, crossovers on WIP. He was on after me, so I did my show, so it over to Howard. It would never, never fail that Howard and I would disagree about something. 
usually I knew what that would be, and <laughs> that's what I would ask him about, just so we could debate at the end of the show. Uh, but damn, I agreed with almost everything Howard had to say today. The one that kind of jumped out at me was Carson Wentz in a tough division. No, that's the only division in the AFC that compares to the NFC East because they've got both Jacksonville yeah, I mean, yeah. young and growing. And, oh, by the way, the Texans, who will probably be the worst team in the National Football League. Yeah. If you ask me to predict right now, who's going to have the number one pick in the draft next year? Who is Howie Roseman going to have to deal with if there's one quarterback that he wants, that he's got to have to be the next quarterback of the Eagles? He's probably going to have to work out a deal with the uh, Texans, as a matter of fact, uh, because uh, I think they're going to be awful this upcoming season. So Carson's got some fertile ground to be able to play well against. That division is uh, not very good. Tennessee is good, and the Colts are pretty good. They got two, they got haves and have nots, but he's only got one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One team that I think he's got to Yeah, it's a top-heavy division, but the only thing I will say is because of the prevent, uh, presence of Trevor Lawrence... We don't know what. Jacksonville could be much better. I mean, if that guy hits the ground running, if he's like Justin Herbert-like uh, and he's supposed to be better than that, well, all of a sudden, that's that's a pretty good team right off the bat. Now, it's a ton of uncertainty with Urban Meyer. I, I don't think Urban Meyer's even happy. He's already complaining about his lack of access to players and ability to practice. So I don't know how he's handling this transition, but there's at least a chance because of the talent of Trevor Lawrence, but you're right with the Texans. They're a disaster. Everybody knows they're a disaster. I I do see some optimism, but then again, I look at the Jacksonville organization and say, they'll screw it up. They always do. And by the way, uh, Herbert was the best rookie quarterback in the National Football League last year. Much to the chagrin of uh, Joe Burrow fans because he got hurt, uh, to a tongue of law fans like me, didn't even win the job out of camp and uh, was in and out of the lineup being replaced by Fitzpatrick in games. Certainly Justin Herbert was the best rookie quarterback in the league last year. The Chargers weren't that bad a team. He joined a good team. And he elevated them and he made them better. Trevor Lawrence is joining a team that legitimately went one and 15 last year. They one and 15. Yeah. So there is only one direction. Well, they got to get, get better. Yeah. And that's up. But yeah. uh, do you go, wow, we're improved. How about that four and 13 Jag squad? Okay. <laughs> if you're a Jags fan and you want to go there, okay, fine. Four and 13 is four and 13. But you're right. You're right. But most most important position in sports, and you know, if you get that quarterback, how quickly it can turn around. You know, we were talking about the Cowboys the other day and Troy Aikman showing up there. Or maybe I was talking with Cilio. You know, one in 15, all of a sudden they're a dynasty that quickly. Took one year and they were off and running. Um, Peyton Manning early in his career. I think he had a three and thirteen season. Then they were off and running. So you're probably right. It's going to be bad, bad first season. Take but it, I'll, I'll tell you, 
it could turn around quickly in the NFL if you get the quarterback. And we'll see. I'm not going to say Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Hall of Famer, but I, it's been pretty consistent from personnel people, scouts around this league. This is the best quarterback prospect probably since Peyton Manning. That's pretty good. Um, That's pretty good. I'm still ticked off that the Jets won two games at the end of the season to lose out on Trevor Lawrence. I had him already penciled into my Jet team for the next decade, and that, of course, fell apart. Uh, but I do think it will take at least one year before we find out that Trevor Lawrence is his biggest hey, star. By, by the way, real quick, be. Jody, speaking of the Cowboys, did you see Jerry Jones had one of his oh, uh, yeah. talks, and he admitted he fucked it up with, with Jimmy Johnson. How about that? How long did it take? Uh, 20 plus years. Uh, yeah, he, he never quite got around to admitting that before. Uh, good for Jerry. And maybe Jerry's reached that stage in his career where he's got to be let bygones be bygones. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a, uh, a renewal of the friendship between he and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I doubt that. Uh, but he did. At least he admitted to it yesterday. And yes, the Cowboys get the jump on everybody in the National Football League. They opened up their camp in Oxnard yesterday mm-hmm. and were on the NFL Network all day long. And they've also got hard knocks coming up. It's good. And the Cowboys are the best at promoting their team. It's not necessarily going to help them on the field. They're going to be better on the field this year because they got Dak Prescott back and they've got a legit defense coordinator in Dan Quinn. But I'm still not uh, – I was pretty damn disappointed in Mike McCarthy last year. I, I, I don't think the Cowboys are a major threat to do uh, things in the playoffs in this upcoming season. They might be the team to beat in the NFC East. Howard seemed to think it was the Redskins, but it's be the Washington football team without yeah, I question. Think it's, I think it's Washington as well. We had the football outsider guys. They think it's the Cowboys. Nobody thinks it's the Eagles. And And by the way, that's the biggest thing I got from Howard. In our over 30 minutes with the King, Jeffrey Laurie, and I wrote about this in Philly Voice as well on Monday, he's given second chances. If he's got a chance to get Deshaun Watson, the Eagles are going after Deshaun Watson. I've been consistent with that with Mike Garofolo on the show. He was pretty uh can he was pretty strong in his belief that the Eagles are going after him. How does that affect Jalen Hurts? I think he's going to be mentally tough to get through it, but I also think he's not a, 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 a you know a dumb kid. He also understands the situation, and he's got a very very narrow path. And I continually say, and I continue to say, it's going to be difficult for him. I don't know what he can do. I've been talking about this for months now, Jody. I don't know what he can do to change their mind. That's how confident I am. Now, they might not get Deshaun Watson. That might be his best opportunity. Somebody comes in, blows him out of the water, and they don't get him. But, man, that's got to – even human nature, that's got to wear on the kid a little bit. I don't think he's going to fall. I don't think he's going to be a shrinking violet like Carson Wentz. But it's got to wear on him a little bit. They won't name him the starting quarterback – Everybody and their mother's talking about this team with Deshaun Watson. And again, you could say, oh, shut up, McMullen. Well, you know, it's Schefter, it's Garoppolo, it's Eskin. It ain't just me. It's, it's got a wear uh, on him. 
uh, funny stuff. Um, you and I have never, I, I, I had you on my show, what, my radio show, 20 times before, uh, like basically every week of last year's Eagle season. And you and I have now done, today is show 75, John. So uh, about 100 times you and I have been on. I should have worn my 75th anniversary NFL hat. I still Do you have, have one hat. of those? Yeah, I got it somewhere. I yeah, today's, today's show 75 for you and I, if my counting is good. Uh, so we, you and I have done about 90 some odd shows together. And we may or may not have touched this. On this, uh, but I don't recall exactly what it was. I've had this conversation over the years, 100, 150 times with callers and the like, when you're leading up to a trade situation. There is an impetus when you're going to trade someone to trade that person to a team that you're going to compete against less. In other words, if we're talking about Deshaun Watson, they would prefer not to trade him to the Indianapolis Colts, knowing that they'd have to play him twice a year, every year, for however many years going forward. He, he, they would probably prefer to trade him to an NFC team against an AFC team because, as per the schedule, you play AFC teams more than NFC teams. I think that is woefully overstated many times. That if a team, that even if you're going to play in division, that you're going to play him twice, if they have the best offer, on the table, and it's not debatable that they overpay to get a player. I think it's the responsibility of the general manager to take the best trade. Even if you've got to compete against that individual, suck it up, compete against him. You think you're smarter, you're going to build a better team, beat him, and then stick it mm. in his eye while he's at it. So That's easy to say, Jody. That is, is easy to it say. But, but it's coming from an ex-general manager's son. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's within my genes, the bravado. Well, I, don't I will say, you know, go back in the day. The Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to Washington in right. the division. Now, I, I believe the Eagles knew he was shot. And that's why they were willing to do it. When you're talking about a player who's 25 and in the prime of his career, no, I you're not trading him in the division. No, absolutely not. I mean, yep, that is a recipe as a son of a general manager. That is a recipe to get fired. To to trade a guy to a a heated rival in the prime of his career who you know, by the way, is really good but you have to trade them for other reasons. I mean, you might as well start packing up the box in your office. You might as well. You're out. You're done. You're cooked. That's why I say it's easy to say. They might give you the best deal because you got to pay a premium. You got to pay a penalty. I'm still not doing it. I can't do it. Now, again, there are, there are contextual parts to this. The Eagles knew Donovan McNabb was cooked. If for some reason they had to trade Donovan McNabb at 25, they wouldn't have traded him to the Washington right. football team. The Redskins at the time wouldn't have done it, and they would have been right, even if they had the best offer. Right, but if you are trading him in his prime and the guy who's at the top, oh, then you're getting a mega return back for the player. And if someone is going to go to levels of mega plus off the charts – you have to at least listen, even if you're going to compete against them. But I admit, there, there's something to it. I just think some people over, oh, my God, you can't trade them within the division. Yeah, you can if you're blown away. Uh, but I, I do think that there is a, a basis 
to start that conversation, you would prefer, if, if the deals are all closed, get them to Siberia. Just get them the hell out of your neighborhood so you don't have to see it, you don't have to watch it. The Eagles and the Texans are only going to play once every four years. Oh, yeah. They're Siberia. They do. Yeah. So the Eagles are the type of destination that the Texans would like to relocate Mr. Watson to if there's a deal to be had. That no, I certainly no would question. agree and some of the other teams, Miami, Denver, again, they're not in a division, but they're in the conference. Carolina's one team out of the uh, conference, uh, so they could be back in the mix. Um, I don't think it's definitive because they traded for Sam Darnold that said, okay, we're moving forward. We will not even uh, think about trading for a, a, a proven difference maker. I think they certainly would. Um, so there are going to be other I've said I brought up Washington because they have so much other than draft picks. I think and everybody and Howard brought it up again. Everybody talks about the Eagles potential three first round picks and they're right that they have more than anybody else to start from. But if you start pay, bringing players into the equation, people don't even think that way. And. I bring up Chase Young all the time for a reason, because he's such a good player. He's so young. And I'm not saying Washington would do it, but all of a sudden if they say, wow, we need a quarterback, let's go get this guy. It's a more important position. We'll throw Chase Young in the mix. That changes the whole equation. Oh yeah. So there are going to be teams that nobody's even thinking about because a 25-year-old, and this is what I wrote in Philly Boys, a 25-year-old top uh, top five quarterback in the NFL on the market. That's a unicorn, Jody. Proven guy at 25. Now, obviously, there's always reasons, and the reasons are ugly, but that guy's a unicorn from just a football perspective. Right. You don't he's, see that. He's already proven. Now, if we're talking about the Eagles moving up, uh, packaging all their picks to get uh, a guy like Deshaun Watson, we believe the Eagles are going to have a good pick. If you and I are right and they're actually eight and nine, well, and it's going to be somewhere in the either the low tens or the, the low teens or the high tens, uh, which is a good pick. If you think the Colts, uh, in as Howard just described, that weak division or that tough division <laughs> tough. that is the uh, central, AFC central, don't believe it. Um, their pick is probably going to be high teens to low 20s. Personally, I think the Dolphins aren't involved in the Deshaun Watson talk. I think that Tua Tunga Below is going to have a breakout second yeah. year. You're, I, you're a Tua guy. Yeah. I, Are you I'm, Tua's agent? I got to look that I, up. I am not on Tua. No, what I am is a strong opinion guy. Deshaun, uh, Devonta Smith, love him. Think he's going to be great. Uh, Justin Fields, love him. Think he's going to be great. The previous year, Tua Tungabaloa, love him, think he's going to be great. And he's got to go really bad before I go, all right, I was wrong. And I'll do that. Carson Wentz, loved him. Guess what? I was wrong. He's a weak-willed individual. Best of luck in Indianapolis, Carson. So you got to have your strong opinions, but then when you're proven wrong, you admit to it. Uh, I am not admitting to anything on Tua Tungabaloa yet. I think there were a lot of reasons and explanations that he had as mediocre a rookie year as he did and will flourish here in year number two. So, oh, by the way, that's the Eagles pick that they own with the trade down and then trade back up again. Uh, they've got Miami's pick. 
I think Miami's going to win nine or 10 games this year. So that's going to be in the teens to the low 20s. They're first-round picks, and first-round picks are always good. High first-round picks are even better when you're trying to get to the very top of a draft. Or if you're the Houston Texans giving up to Sean Watson to get those first-round picks, well, what's the value of those first-round picks? They're good. They're solid. They're not off the charts great. They're just going to be more encompassing uh, as far as overall number goes than anybody else. But uh, try and remember just any times, oh, we're giving them three first-round picks. Yeah, but where are those first-round picks going to fall? <clears throat> yeah. You do need to keep um, that factored in as to whether the Texans will be willing to part with as great a young up-and-coming talent as Deshaun Watson. And I will say that probably the two certainties are Indianapolis is going to be probably depending on they're they're going to be either a playoff team or close to a playoff team but not a top tier playoff team so i think you're right on where they're going to be the eagles now everybody we're the optimistic ones i get a kick out of it jody because everybody says i'm negative we're the optimistic ones who says maybe they can get the eight wins everybody's got them all the mock traps all the early mock traps has them picking in the top 10 I think the uncertainty is Miami. They could be anywhere. They could, they're the team that could, they could win four games if Tua goes off the rails and they could be really good if he turns into what you think he's going to be. I really think they're the uncertainty and they could be anywhere, basically. They could be top 10. They could be in the 20s. They could be a playoff team. So I don't know what the heck Miami is going to be. I'm, you got a pretty good gauge on, on, on the Eagles and Colts. If the Eagles are in the top 10, like most people think they're going to be, then they're going to have the ammunition to go up. Now, maybe not to one, but if you can put a top 10 pick together with two other first-round picks, you, you can do almost anything you want. So – you don't want the Eagles to be that bad, but on the other hand, some people may want them to be that bad if the goal is to get at the top of the draft because they're going to have to have that one sort of foundational first-round pick that's in the top 10 to, to move from there if they want to go up the board. All right, so we got to take a break, and then we're hoping Terry Ringo joins us. Um, despite the fact that you and I are both on record, leaving the back door open to change our mind. The only thing that matters is our pick the week before the season starts. Mm -hmm. But when this uh, schedule came out, both you and I went WLWL and came out 8-9 for the Eagles. Um, knowing that, is the Eagle pick going to be the highest pick? Put in order, assuming Carson Wentz plays 70% with the Colts, and that is a first-round pick, put him in order, uh, best selection to uh, highest selection, meaning lowest, uh, you know what I mean, uh, number 20, number 25, number 17, number 10. W the order of the three picks next year, if they've got their own pick, the Dolphin pick and the Colt pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put the Eagles are going to be first, and it could be anywhere from probably, you know, they're really bad, as some people think. It could be four or five, up to probably the ceiling, 12, 13. If they if they're in that range, I think Miami's next. They'll probably be 16. That's what they are to me. They might be right and smack dab in the middle, uh, and then the Colts I think are going to be that bridge type of playoff team, so late teens, early 20s. 
I, I think it's going to fall in that direction. The, the worse, obviously, the Eagles are, the better for, for the 2022 draft. So as a fan, sort of like your Sophie's Choice. We always talk about your Sophie's Choice in the draft, Justin Fields or Devontae Smith. That's an Eagles fan, Sophie's Choice. Do you want to be up and be in a position to do whatever you want to be in the 2022 draft? If you do, it's better for this team to be bad. Sixers process talk. Are we at that point? No, 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 no. Don't go there. Uh, But I will disagree with you. Eagles pick will be the highest one. Colts pick will be second. Dolphins pick will be third. Because I'm telling you right now, Tua Tungavaloa will have a better quarterback year than Carson Wentz. If we believe that quarterbacks decide the fate of the team the great majority of the time, I can pick either of those two quarterbacks. I can't make the pick fast enough. Tua Tungavaloa over Carson Wentz. Here's my concern over that real quick, Jody. You might be right, but if one's 28 and one's 29, does it matter? But tree falls in the woods and nobody's there. Can anybody hear it? If they both stink, does it matter? And that's a potential as well. But if that's the case, then those Eagle then picks will good. be that much higher, which will then give them that good. much ammunition to yeah. get up to the top of the draft. Well, we can spin it for you any way you want. Hopefully, Trey Wingo joins us next. We'll get his spin on all things National Football League here on Bird Street 65. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. On the 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are the Mac and Mac guys. Jordan McDonald and John McMullen here with my bird 365. We'll open it from... Trey Wingo soon. Uh, he'll hop aboard with us uh, for our final half hour here. And when we get Trey on, we'll certainly ask him uh, Eagles-related stuff. We'll, we'll touch on all the things in the National Football League, including Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, including John. Just want to get your quick thought here and uh, something we'll get to with Trey with, uh, if he joins us. Uh, latest big money player inked yesterday in the NFL. Linebacker Fred Warner of the uh, 49ers did a contract extension for five years and $95 million. It's not quarterback money. I get it. It's not quite the quarterbacks get paid, but there are very few linebackers in the national football league as in none who, if you break it down individually per year, 19 million per that's the highest ever. Who are you pointing to earlier in the show? Uh, Oh, Goddard. The Goddard could become the highest paid title. That's, That's the way it works. works. If you're That's the guy who's up and you're yeah. close, you just jump above because yeah. the salary cap continues to go up and up and up and up. And I don't know that Fred Warner's the best linebacker, but as of today, he is the highest paid per year uh, linebacker. Were you surprised at the number? Uh, no, because that's how contracts work. It's about timing and circumstance. And we had Howard, Howard asking on earlier, and he said, yeah, he's not going to get Dallas's, Dallas Goddard's not going to get as much money as George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. He's not as good as those guys. That's not what I'm saying. But the timing and circumstance says he'll be in the conversation. He has a big year. He'll be in, he'll be able to have his agent go in and say, it's my turn. I should be the highest paid tight end in football. Speaking of in the conversation, joining us on our conversation here on birds 365 is our buddy Trey Wingo. He still got his golfing hat on. I yeah. asked him to come on yesterday. He yeah. said he couldn't. He was going to the links. He hasn't taken the hat off yet. Does that mean you shot well yesterday, Mr. Wingo? Uh, this means uh, I look like crap, but uh, I played all right. <laughs> I played all right, Jody Mac. How are we? John, good to see you. We're good to good. see you, Trey. As long as you hit one. I hit yeah. one drive. That feels good. I want to walk right off the course. That's yeah. it for me. Yeah. I want to Man. go out on top. I, I closed I closed out strong. We'll leave it that way. The start was ragged. The middle was okay, but the finish was good. That's nice. all that matters. Go Trey, uh, John and I were just discussing before you came on, the Fred Warner contract getting uh, big yeah. bucks from the San Francisco 49ers, now the highest paid linebacker in football. Again, you can make numbers sing and dance depending on how you look at them in a salary cap world. Um, is he that good a player? Did the 49ers uh, get him at a reasonable number? Did they overpay to get him? Uh, how would you rank Warner with the other linebackers in the league? Did that contract surprise you? Uh, 
it surprised me in the terms of uh, the numbers for an off-ball linebacker, right? Like, he's not yeah. your classic edge edge linebacker. He's a, he's a really good player and really productive. Uh, and I've liked him since they drafted him, what, in the third round a few years ago. Uh, but uh, w- listen, they're, they're the numbers and the actual numbers, right? What is, what, are, what is real in that $91 million deal? But I'm telling you, if, if that's the market for, you know, basically an inside linebacker, um, that, that's a surprising uh, number for me. Um, not that he doesn't deserve it. I, I, I do think he's really, really good. But I think people like Darius Leonard, of the Indianapolis Colts are looking yeah. at that contract and going, you know, <laughs> this is going to be really yeah. good for me. So uh, there's a, I, I think that it's, it's, it certainly raised the bar, but again, you know, we, we went through last year with all the COVID restrictions and some of the things that the revenue rise, it's all coming back in spades this year. I mean, the money is yeah. just flowing in again. Trey, you bring up an interesting point because you're right. People look at the numbers and they say, should you be paying an off-ball linebacker that much? We hear it with running backs all the time. Certain positions are so-called devalued. Now, from my perspective, it's it's a good idea to get good football players. Now, you prefer to have a quarterback who's great. You prefer to have, as you mentioned, an edge rusher who's great. But at the end of the day, if you get a good player, shouldn't you focus on let's let's keep the good player? Or do we, in other words, do we overvalue that sort of mentality that you can't play running backs, you can't pay uh, off-ball linebackers? Well, you yeah. can't pay bad ones or average ones, but yeah. the really good ones. Look at Devin White. Yeah, Devin White's going to get a monster contract. He's done yeah. too, and you know, like Devin. Let's be honest, Devin probably should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. I yeah. mean, I, to, to your point about how we overvalue uh, quarterbacks, the Chiefs were held to nine points for the first time with Patrick Mahomes healthy. That was the first time they'd ever been held under thirty in a playoff game, and somehow Tom Brady was the MVP. I'm like, yeah. like he played fine. Don't get me wrong, but you're asking me who won the game? It was the defense and the defensive line, Devin White and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The running back thing that was interesting, John, because I, I, I have sort of evolved on this position, it, I really would be hard-pressed to, to, to find a way that I could think that I would want to use a first-round pick on a running back these days because so many running backs have been so productive from outside the second, third, fourth round even at this point. Alvin Kamara was a third-rounder, and look how productive he's been. Dalvin Cook was a second-rounder last year or a few years ago for the Vikings, and he's been so productive. Uh, the running back position to me is is, is uh, an interesting one. Like, You'd have to convince me that they're Adrian Peterson for me to to think even think about it. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was, a, was a eighth overall pick in 2017, and he's been terrific. But he got injured last year, and I, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Um, there's always going to be an anomaly like Derrick Henry. I think you have to pay him because he's so he's such a part of the offense with the Tennessee Titans, and now they have Julio Jones to sort of, you know, give that one-two punch. But I would I would find it much easier for me to be able to pay an inside linebacker that I think could ball out than, than use draft capital like a first-round pick on a running back the way the game has gone these days. Here's my philosophy on that, and tell me if I'm off the wall and nuts, Trey. Um, here's how I look at running backs. I got no issues picking them in the first <laughs> round. I would have no issues picking them in the first half of the first round if I thought he was talented, like Saquon Barkley was a couple of years yeah. ago. He's just that good. He deserved to go as high as he did. Uh, some injuries have kind of derailed him, but I think he'll get back. 
on that type track this year. But here's the way I look at running backs. They're getting a first contract out of me. Yeah. If they're getting a second contract, it's going to be at a reduced rate than the one they just finished out the first, the last year of the first contract, because you all know that fifth year goes up and up and up and up and up. Like this year with Derek Barnett, he's going to get paid big time by the Eagles. He's their fourth highest paid player. He's not their fourth best player. But no. that last year of a five-year first-round contract does get up pretty damn quick. It's a turnaround. You keep them for their five years if you use a first-round pick, and then you have the next guy to step in the next year. And you're going to pay him at a slotted amount. That's how I would try and facilitate my running back position going forward. Five-year deal, done. We move on to next guy. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard because you see guys that have been really productive uh, in that first contract, and you say, yeah, you've earned more money, but you're always betting – you're always hedging the bet of when that stops with the running back because it's the one – you know, it's it's the position that is the most replaceable in football these days and the most likely to decline the quickest based on, based on the, the number of hits that you're going to take at that position. And plus, you know, we're not talking about – like Emmett Smith's record of 18,000-whatever – 755 yards. I think it's going to last forever. Like no one's, no one's doing that. Yeah. We're not running yeah. the ball. That, like to me, you have to be a McCaffrey type, a uh, 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 Dalvin Kamara type, a Dalvin Cook type running back that is just as good as a receiver than he is as a runner. Like a 2,000 yard season to me is not nearly as impressive as a thousand thousand season. A thousand yards rushing, thousand yards receiving that McCaffrey had. What? in 2019 like that to me should be the new standard for what is excellence at the running back position when it comes to a gm uh though trey and to jody's point you have somebody like derrick henry who performs so if if you're jody and say okay let's move on to the next guy but derrick henry still derrick henry same thing has happened with dalvin cook in minnesota another name you mentioned he's on the second contract how do you not play pay players like that? Right. It, no, you're you're right. It's just it it's 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 always a dilemma. Like they like the Vikings didn't have to pay Dalvin when they paid him. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the most egregious second contract for me was the Ezekiel Elliott one. Like yeah. the Dallas Cowboys reverse engineered this thing completely. They they ended up paying their quarterback last uh, in all of this. They paid. <laughs> we talked about we talked about an off ball linebacker. They played. They paid Jalen yeah. Smith before they yeah. paid. Uh, Dak Prescott and they you know Zeke Elliott held out had suspension things and other issues and they paid him before they paid Dak Prescott now part of that I think was that the Dak team was basically told the Cowboys look man we're not we're not doing this until we absolutely need to because he's set he's poor so you know we're we're you can throw whatever we want at us but it's going to be more than what you're unless you're willing to pay over what the market is right now we're not we're going to wait and they they played it perfectly and and uh, they, they got a really good deal for their client. But, um, yeah, it, it, the, sec- the, the Ezekiel Elliott contract gets worse and worse by the minute. You look at his numbers over the last couple of seasons, and they're going like this. And they made that commitment to him. And now they're not even that, te- that, that team anymore. I mean, their offensive yeah. line isn't the offensive line that it was when it was his rookie year. Uh, and, you know, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are a little older now and banged up. So that contract to me is, uh, J- Jody, to your point, and John, the idea of that second contract, that one is a, is a, is a massive mistake, in my opinion. Fair enough. Trey Ringo here with some um, Birds 365. All right, John and I were kicking this around before you came on. I want to get your take on it, too. Jerry Jones admitted yesterday yeah. he may great. have screwed yeah. up uh, yeah. when he and Jimmy got to loggerheads and moved yeah. on to Barry Switzer. 
Uh, duh. I think we yeah. all figured that one out ahead of time. Just Jerry had never admitted it before. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. do you think he did so yesterday? Well, two things. I, I think that, A, Jerry has zero bleeps left to give, at, but I'll push an 80. Uh, mm-hmm. And two, it, it is Cowboys hard knocks season, is it not? Aren't they yes, hard knocks is. this year? Yeah. So, wow, Jerry's being entertaining. <laughs> what a, I did not see that coming in any way, form. You know, I've always said about the, about it'll be great content, but I think it'll be bad for the team because Jerry has always been about the sizzle as much as he's been about the steak. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and I, I it is hard for the cynical part of me to not say, of course he did that when he knew the Hard Knocks cameras were going to be there because it's going to be great content. Yeah, and by the way, Stephen Jones, to your point, Trey, he admitted our biggest mistake was waiting too long on Dak Prescott to pay Absolutely. Dak Prescott. Uh, so it is. It's like true serum got into the yeah. Joneses uh, talking about the, the Dallas Cowboys. But it, I do want to talk about the NFC East, obviously, yeah. uh, close with the Eagles. I think people look at this as a as sort of a have and have nots division. You know, the haves aren't great, but I do think people look at Dallas and Washington as the two teams at the top, Giants and Eagles uh, at the bottom. Is that the way you see it, or is there a little bit of a wiggle room there? Well, here's what I've learned over the years in the NFC East. Nobody knows anything, right? If you go into <laughs> last season, if you go into last season, everyone would have said, yeah, Dallas and Philadelphia are the top two teams in that division, and the Giants and the Washington football team are tracking. Well, who was competing down the last week of the season for the NFC East title? It was the Drek, the Giants and the Washington football team. Now, I, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I love what, what the defensive side has done in Washington. And Jack Del Rio, their D.C., has done an amazing job. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys should be the class of this division, but they're the Cowboys. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 can't, I can't give anything with any certainty on any team in the NFC East simply because, um, because of uh, just it's so unpredictable and what we've seen over the last couple of years. I, I mean, I, I – I expect nothing, and I nothing would surprise me in the NFC. That's the only way I can look at it. You just said something that made me think of something, and I wasn't planning on asking this question today, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you owned a football team and someone said to you, listen, we're going to take away your nickname. We're just going to refer to you as where you're playing your football games for two years, but then we're going to let you pick a new nickname and we're going to – would you even gone down there? How have we come to calling them the Washington football team for yeah. two years? We did it last year because they weren't ready to come up with a nickname. Now they're yeah. going to be the Washington football team, but damn, we're going to have a nickname next year. How the yeah. heck has this uh, decided to shake itself out this way, Trey? Because, because Daniel Snyder had to come kicking and screaming and dragged to this conclusion. It tells you everything that he never wanted to do this. He was forced to do it. Uh, which, by the way, I have no problem with. He was forced to do it, and he didn't have a plan, and they still don't have a plan. So they're going to try and figure out what the best plan is over a, a two-year period. And quite frankly, there's a part of me that just kind of likes the football team now. Like, I thought yeah. it was the stupidest thing in the world when I heard it the first time. You're just going to call them the football team. But now it's like, we're the football team. <laughs> I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of like it now after, okay. after a year. Of this. All right. Uh, Trey, though, you were being cynical about the Cowboys and hard knocks. I'm going to be yeah. cynical here. I think they're double dipping twice purposefully for the yeah. merchandise. 
You got the Washington football team sell, and then you're going to sell all the new stuff with the new team name. I I think John, that's that's a great point. John, that's a great point. It's like how many throwback jerseys can you sell? Like, yeah. hey, let's throw well, we're gonna have this helmet this year. We're gonna do this. <laughs> it's all it's all marketing, it's all merchandise. So yeah, there's there's absolutely a part of it. They're like, look, let's sell all this merch for one more year, and then we got a whole nother batch. Absolutely. But let me let me follow up there. We kid because okay. we care and we can. Um, you kind of lean toward uh we had Howard on early, he's leaning toward them. The Washington football team did win the division last year. And the only reason why anybody wouldn't pick them going into this season would be Dak Prescott to the Cowboys. Yet their organization is a mess. Their owner is in big time trouble being sued so much so that he put his wife into the CEO position so he could take a step back. Yet they're going to try and win the division for back-to-back years, which hasn't been done since Andy Reid did it here. Andy Reid's Eagles in three years in a row. Will the separation of church and state, football, and the rest of the organization be good enough that this team can actually not have all the front office drama affect the on-field action? Well, I think that they've done a really good job in cleaning up the front office. And I think, obviously, uh, Ron Rivera and his staff have done a great job. The new GM and president have done a great job. <clears throat> to me, the organization, the only part of the organization that stinks is the guy that owns it at this point. Like that, that's the problem. I think they've they've done a really good job trying to disassociate themselves from the guy who who signs the checks. Um, and I think that uh, I, I think that that look, I mean, last year Ron Rivera be, had to battle cancer and all this turmoil and COVID, and they still won the division. So if they can find a way to work through all of that. I'm convinced that the structure they have in place on the football side, not on the not on the financial side, not on the business side, but on the football side is good enough to deal with whatever is going on uh, above them. I do believe that. I want to talk about the NFL and the Washington football team, Trey, because how do you do an investigation of these serious charges? And there's no written report. Mm. How does this league get away with stuff like that? Well, you know. My alma mater, Baylor University, tried that uh, with the Art Bryles thing, um, yeah. and it was a it was an oral report. There was no paperwork. Find me a <laughs> lawyer that doesn't show their work, okay? Like, find me a lawyer that's yeah. billing you a gazillion dollars an hour, but I have no I have no paper to show the proof that I did the work. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, it, it 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 is unbelievable. And you know, watch. I want to shift gears toward the complicated fella in Green Bay, because the rubber's going to hit yeah. the road here yep. with Aaron Rodgers. $40,000 a day, which is probably meaningless for Aaron at this point. But nonetheless, yep. it's money you can't get back. He doesn't seem to have a lot of options. If he wants to play, he's going to have to play in Green Bay, it seems. Will he walk away? Will he give that, whatever it is, $25 million back and say, you know what? I'm, I'm so headstrong, I'm done with this team. Or is he going to play it out? I think that Aaron Rodgers' position is dug in. And I don't think I've seen anything that's changed his position. I mean, this is a guy who divorced his family over a perceived yeah. Like, he doesn't talk to his family anymore. He doesn't. Um, uh, if you watch that match he, when he played with Bryson DeChambeau against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, and, yeah. you know, there was a lot of trash talk between them before the match. And then Phil Mickelson tried to – Knuckle bump him after a good punt, and Aaron was like, "Get out of here, man! You're done. You you you, you, you dissed me. That's look, this is who he is." And I think that the Packers are the team uh, are the side in this that needs to understand that he's not changing. 
Um, you know, I believe this is very similar to when Carson Palmer told the Bengals, guys, I'm not playing for you anymore. And he was willing to walk away from $50 million uh, in that situation. And it took halfway through the season, but the Bengals eventually traded him to the Raiders. And then, of course, he went on to play really well for the Cardinals. I believe that Aaron Rodgers' mind has not changed from when this first story came out and nothing that they've done. I mean, they put out that story yesterday that Adam Schefter had, that they had made him this offer that would have made him the highest paid player in football. And they would have tied him to the organization for five more years. Well, why does that story come out? Because it makes the Packers look good and it makes Aaron Rodgers look bad. That, that story was leaked for a reason. And it's never been about the money with Aaron Rodgers. It's never going to be about the money. I think his position is, you guys don't, we don't jive anymore. And I, I'm done playing for you. I don't think he's going to play for the Packers. And I think eventually they're going to have to come to that realization and they're going to have to move him. All right, so let's say Mark Murphy is watching Birds 365 right now. And he, he hears what Trey, and he hears what Trey Wingo has said, and he goes, damn, he's probably right. Yeah. When is the best time for the Green Bay Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers? Is it tomorrow? Is it during the preseason? Do you wait till in season? Do you let him sit out an entire year and get Jordan and just continue to have to deal with the slings and arrows of the media that Brett Fa- that Aaron Rodgers is sitting at home? If you are the Green Bay Packers, when is the best time to say, all right, we give, you win, Aaron, we'll trade you? April, uh, but they didn't do that. Um, well, that, that yeah. a future yeah. tense uh-huh. we're looking at. Yeah, listen, I, they're going to have to come. To, everything they've said, you know, has been like, oh, he's a complicated fella and, you know, nothing has changed. I mean, they have tried everything, right? They've gone, they, they've tried to meet with him. They've tried to fly out and have a, the coach and the GM go talk. He has rebuffed them on every front, every single time. He has not showed up. He's not going to show up. Um, I I think that they, they're they not there yet is what I'm saying in this. In this relationship, one person is there. He's there. The other side, the other part of this relationship is not there yet. I, I think that they're going to try and wait as long as they can before they come to the realization that he's already, he's already made up his mind. So to me, obviously, I would trade him before the season, but I don't think they're going to. I think they, they are so convinced that at still at this point that he'll come back, that they're going to wait as long as possible. I would imagine it happens around the trade deadline. That would be, that would be my, uh, my interpretation of events. All right, Trey, last one from me. The uncertainty of the other big-name quarterback, Deshaun Watson in Houston. Here in Philadelphia, it just never ends. They're constantly talking about the Eagles with Deshaun Watson. Ultimately, we talked about the investigation in Washington. Uh, The NFL's doing this parallel investigation. They haven't interviewed Deshaun Watson, to my knowledge, but which is an interesting interview, but – I think Roger Goodell is going to pop his head out before Tuesday and say commissioner's exemplist. But ultimately, where do you see Deshaun Watson going? Is it on the shelf for the entire season? Uh, can anything happen? And can Houston trade him without these allegations being cleared up? Is that even possible? I mean, I mean Houston can, but I don't know what team that would, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's the issue. Like, I know that the Dolphins were very interested in Deshaun, and I'm sure the Eagles were at some point as well. But then this thing became ugly. And if you're a, you're a, a general manager anywhere, you cannot 
pull that trigger until you know what you're facing. So I, I think that to your point, when we get clarity from Roger Goodell, I think we'll get a little more clarity on the potential suitors for Deshaun Watson because you, you can't, it's going to take draft capital. It's going to take a lot of uh, players and picks to make a trade because Houston really doesn't want to trade him, even with all these allegations. Um, so, but you can't, as, as a guy willing to go down that road, you, you can't make that decision until you know what you're getting. Are you going to miss him for four games? Are you going to miss him for six? Are you going to miss him for eight? You know, you, you don't know. So to me, I cannot in good conscience make a trade for Deshaun Watson until I know exactly what the, what the, what the penalties are going to be. All right, Trey, last thing. Um, and they're both YouTube questions here on YouTube with us. <laughs> on Birds 365. We appreciate that. Uh, Trey Wingo presents number one, who's the next guest we're looking forward to. And number two, in the ones that you've done, you had a sense of what it was going to be like when you started the interview and what you hoped to achieve when it was over and done with that. You said to yourself, damn, didn't see that happening. Didn't know he's going to say that. Uh, yeah. Really? Is that what we got out of this? That's good. Who was the one that surprised you most who you've interviewed so far? Well, well, thank you. First of all, season four is going to start in August. We've already taped uh, a few Hall of Famers and a couple of current head coaches, so we're excited about that. Uh, again, you can get it Half Forgotten History. Trey Wingo presents uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, honestly, T.O. was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, he uh, – when we, when we got T.O., I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting because, you know, I, he and I have butted heads a lot uh, when I was at, at ESPN. But he was actually great, and – the conversations about uh, the whole driveway thing in Philadelphia were incredible. The, the driveway <laughs> workout. Uh, and then we really got into it about the Hall of Fame. Like, I respect his opinion, but I felt like he penalized the wrong people. Like, the, the, the Hall of Fame people in Canton, it's their year. It's their, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a grown person's prom, the Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah. And it, the, the city lives for it. And I just, I understand that he was mad about the writers, but I felt like by punishing the writers, or thinking he was punishing the writers and the voters, he actually punished the people in Canton, Ohio. And I, I, I thought that they did not deserve his wrath. And, and so we sort of went back and forth with it on that, but we ended up just set, settling it nice over a bottle of his 81 wine. But it was, it was a really fun I, – I really enjoyed that, and, and uh, he surprised me a lot. We'll have fun watching you with your guys this year. Thank you very much for uh, giving us the heads up. Thanks for coming on. You know we're going to be punching you up as the season gets underway. Always good to see you, Trey. Uh, keeping them uh, long and strong. All right, John, Jody, thanks very much. We'll see you guys. Nice, Trey sir. Wingo here with us on uh, Birds 365. <laughs> I did not know that. I didn't even know I was going to ask that question. It's popping into my head. No. Little did I know he was going to go T.O. as the most fun and yet revealing and surprising interview that he did. So if you're any kind of an Eagles fan, you know you got to go to Trey's uh, YouTube uh, website yeah. and check out the interview. That I always like to talk about push-ups in Morristown. It's always exciting. Oh, uh, that not far from where I was living at the time. Yes, thank you very much, T.O. He's John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. We're coming back to put a bow on the show. Here I'm. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. All right, clock ticking on a Thursday edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys. Uh, first things first, I uh, want to thank both of our guests. Yesterday, early, John reached out to me to tell me that I got Howard Eskin. I'm sure you've seen the story by now. Howard's saying that Zach Ertz has been working out with the Eagles and there's a good chance he's going to be on the team this year. So John was able to uh, book him. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I got Trey Wingo to agree to come on with us. I asked for him for yesterday. He was playing golf. But he said, I'll come on with you the next day. So Trey came on with us, and I thought both spots uh, were real good today. So thanks those two gentlemen for hopping on board with us. Uh, John, I got to give you props, because last Friday when we did the show, I asked you about three things. And what was the percentage chance that when we returned on Monday, they would have changed Zach Ertz's situation, the cornerback two situation, the unsigned Landon Dickerson situation. You said zero, 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 Jody. Nothing is happening this weekend. Well, I asked you the same thing yesterday, and you said, well, they're all off zero. You didn't have said any of them too high, but you said they have certainly advanced to the point where I'm not going to give them any zeros. 
the one you gave the highest percentage of something happening was Zach Ertz. And damn, if it didn't happen yesterday, I think you put him up about 25%. You had the others still in single digits, but you moved the Zach resolution up several notches. And that's exactly what happened. We found out yesterday that at least as of right now, and remember this thing is very fluid. Even Howard, who broke the story, said he hasn't said he will definitely play. No, he could be traded tomorrow. But at yeah. least we know that he is reporting to uh, the Eagles facility to work out and is planning on being there with the masses, his 89 teammates, uh, on Wednesday of next week when everybody reports. Which leaves us with two. CB2 and Landon Dickerson signing. You even gone so far as to say It'll be either day before or day of that the Eagles have to report that they will make the signing official. So are you still at zero or might they be ahead of the game? Could we, before we re reconvene here on Birds 365 tomorrow, a fr football Friday edition, will Landon Dickerson be signed? What is the percentage? The answer is yes. Uh, every day goes up a little bit we, as we get closer to Tuesday. I do think ultimately – he will be signed either day before. I, look, I think he's going to be on the field Wednesday at 10 a.m. Um, so that's the deadline. They might announce it Wednesday morning, knowing the Eagles. But that's how I think Landon Dickerson is going to play out. You know, it's interesting quarterback, too. That can go way into August. Uh, Howie is brought up, and we've talked about a lot with Ronald Darby. Steven Nelson, however, uh, the he remains out there and he, he made that cryptic tweet uh, today or tomorrow. I believe that was, was that two days ago or was two that days ago? Today, today should be the day. Yeah. So today should be the day. So it, I think most people think he's going back to the Steelers from what I I've gathered and uh, people I've talked to, but I, I look at the opportunity the Eagles can offer him and he can't get it anywhere else. He just can't get it. If he signs here, he steps in. He's a starting player. Uh, he's going to have to compete everywhere else. He's got plenty of options, uh, but he's going to have to compete. Here, he's the guy with Darius Slay. So until he goes back to Pittsburgh, there's a chance. Uh, so it keeps creeping up. And today is, is, is at least something to keep an eye on because of his own cryptic tweet. Maybe he makes a decision today. So let's put cornerback two. Let's bump it up to 25% today. And that is one of the reasons why, despite Howard's report, and I have no reason to question Howard's report. I think he's got the thing locked down. But it doesn't 100% add up because if you believe what John said earlier, Dallas Goddard is the unquestioned starter and Zach Ertz is the backup and that Nick Sirianni doesn't really want to play too much tight end they're going to be paying their backup $8 million. Doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. And, and that's why I said the most important part of, of, of Howard's report, I said, was the second part. And that's that Zach is in the building working out because that's an indication he'll be here on, on Tuesday. And that makes sense because he doesn't want to lose $40,000 a day. This by no means precludes Howie Roseman from trading him and I always bring up Sam Bradford. That's what he's shooting for. I've said this before. He's shooting for somebody else to have an injury. Maybe they're a contender. They say, oh, we need a tight end. Let's go get Zach Ertz. The Eagles aren't going to just cut him. That's what Howie's shooting for. So I don't think this is any 
definitive statement that Zach Ertz is going to play for this team, they're just going as far as they can with this game of chicken. They're right. going to take it as far as they can. And if yeah. they lose, losing for the Eagles would be slamming into that $8.5 million or whatever it is that they have to pay. But remember what Howard also said. They've already budgeted that money. Right. He's here. They budgeted it. So that's the worst-case scenario that they play it out. But uh, if they do find a taker for Zach, whatever the return is, it will open up some money. It does allow them to do certain things, yeah. like maybe trade for a cornerback, too. We, we've thrown stupid Stephen Nelson's name out there for too many days in a row on this show. There is always the possibility of a trade, but you got to have yeah. cap space. I hope Stephen makes a decision. Can I say that? Can I plead? Yeah, what's the Steven. percentage, Stephen Nelson? Forget about the Eagles. Now, it may affect the Eagles. Those two things may go hand in hand. But what's the percentage, Stephen Nelson has news for us over the next 22 hours? 50%. Yes. I'm going 51, just to top uh, Johnny Mac. All right, uh, you want to be right back here 22 hours from now, a Football Friday edition, McMullen and McDonald on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.